is there's not a single top. Sorry, there's yeah. not a single. T yeah, it's all right. There's not a single topic that I can't cover, even if it's something totally, you know, uh, you know, in the outfields that I probably wouldn't yeah. know much about. I could probably, I know, I probably know somebody that knows something about that. So, I'm okay. um, I'm open to talk about anything. Well, I'll probably stick to business, money. A lot of our readers are interested in. Um, you know, making money, learning how to make money, how to manage money. Property is a big thing. Um, so I won't venture into politics or Justin Trudeau or anything like that. I'll just keep it to <laughs> to money and stuff. Or um, and and I noticed that you 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 kind of on on some of your blogs you talk about success and money. So this is this is great. You know, you could talk about that if you like. Um, and, and your cigar nights, I, I like that. It's a cigar night, it's like a men's club. It's it's, it's quite novel. It's good. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll talk about your property career. What what the market is like in Toronto? Um, you know, and and see what your views are on twenty twenty three. We've had a bit of a downturn here in the last couple of months. Prices have slowed and uh, not going down drastically, but they're they're starting to slow as the interest rates have gone up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah let's uh, let's talk about it i have a lot of things to share i mean I, I've, right. I've been in real estate for almost four years now and in my short time frame i've seen the pandemic the lockdowns the recession that we're in now i mean yeah. it's a great time to, to get into a business because i've seen nothing but obstacles so i'd yeah. be more than happy to share that okay can you hear me okay yeah and, and can you hear me as well yeah perfectly perfectly so I'll i'll get started and we can talk for as long as you like i mean um 40 minutes so uh, we don't have to go it, it's not enough to be a short thing we can just go on if it if you want to talk longer it's up to you yeah yeah i don't have a hard stop i, I mean I, I want like like my intentions whenever i do this is i want the audience and more importantly the guests i mean excuse me the host to feel yeah. as comfortable as possible so i don't want you to think oh, okay i have to wrap this up kind of thing or if you still like i want you to get out, out all of your questions i want to make sure i bring as much value as possible to the audience okay great can i ask you one thing you, you're filipino canadian were you born in canada or born in the philippines or i, I was born in the philippines but i moved okay. to canada when i was about eight months old all right okay no i've, I've spent a lot yeah. of time over there in the philippines i i used to have a business recruiting nurses from the philippines um so I'm normally, I used to like to go to the Philippines at Christmas because it's, it's just nice and warm and, you know, it's great, but I haven't been for the last few years, but yeah, I've, I've got a lot of um, good memories there. Yeah. I love the country and I'm not biased. It's it, when you go island hopping and you go out to the outer parts yeah, of the city, yeah. it's it's just so beautiful there. It's so beautiful. I, my kids were uh, are half Filipino. My, my wife, ex-wife was, was Filipina and my son now lives in uh, just outside San Francisco. Uh, so I've I've got a lot of history with Philippines. <laughs> uh, all all of us Filipinos we're all we're all sprawling there on the west coast there around the LA San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But we always end up over there for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, well, I'm ready to go when, when you are. Yeah, you you okay to go? Let's okay. Let's do it. Hi, good afternoon. This is Charles Kelly, Money Tips once again. Great to see you all again today. Today I have a very special guest all the way from Toronto, Canada, Luke Lissin, uh, who's a Filipino-Canadian, uh, and he, he got into real estate at the age of 18. And he's only been in real estate in the, for about four years now, but he's reached the top 1% of realtors in, in the country. And he's co-founder of AutoVision GCA, which he'll tell you more about. 
So he's got other businesses other than real estate, but he's actually sold $180 million worth of real estate. So that's that's quite an achievement, Luke. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great, great. That's an amazing achievement. I mean, just in four years, how did you become so successful so quickly, you know, to, to sell that amount of real estate? What, what's your, how did you do that? What's your secret? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know exactly if there's one specific secret, but a lot of the success that I've accomplished over the last couple of years, I credit that towards my ability to network. And like, I'll give you an example. I, when I just got licensed at 19 years old, I was just newly licensed in the business, maybe only a month in. I went to a networking event downtown Toronto and there, there was other, maybe 30 to 40 other real estate investors, agents, mortgage brokers, et cetera, et cetera. And there I met this guy, uh, his name was Jamal and he was uh, someone that I really connected with. And then he added me to like a private WhatsApp group chat. There was maybe six, seven other investors in there. And all, what, all we would do is share uh, investment deals across the GTA together. And then I saw this one listing from some guy named Mike Seal out in Windsor, Ontario. And then when I clicked on Mike Seal's profile on his website, I saw that this guy had like 13, 14 listings, all investment properties, all high performing investment properties. I was like, this guy's killing the game. Like 14 listings, that's that's amazing. I called this guy, Mike, and I say, Mike, like I've been in real estate at that point by the time I called him for like six months. I said, Mike, I've been in real estate for six months. I've yet to do a single deal. I don't know what I'm doing. I made no money. Can, can, can I uh, can I come learn from you? I'm going to come move to Windsor and learn from you. And then he says, well, well, that would be a waste of your time. Why would you drive five, six hours away from your hometown just to learn from me? Why don't you go reach out to my friend? And I'm like, okay, who's your friend? His friend was Jazz Takar. Oh. And Jazz, yeah, Jazz at the time. I think you might know him, Charles. But Jazz Yeah, I met him on Zoom here. We had him on yeah. the podcast before. Great guy. Yeah, so he ran and is still running the number one team in the country uh, across Royal LePage. And what I did was I called Jazz. I said, Jazz, I spoke with your friend Mike. He recommended that I speak to you. Um, and he, he, he advised that I join your team. Jazz stopped for a moment and said, well, how old are you? I said, at that time, I'm 19. He said, how many deals have you done? I said, zero. He says, how long have you been in the business for? I said, at that point, about six months. And then I didn't know this at the time. But him and our vice president, Laura Stewart, they had me on speakerphone. Laura's looking at Jazz like, no, don't add this kid to our team. He's just <laughs> going to be a liability to our, to our team. But then I, I, I kind of stopped them for a moment because I said, Jazz, you're making a big mistake if you don't meet me. And then that boldness, that, that confidence, yeah. like, he was just like, like, who is this kid speaking to me like this? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, come meet me next week. He sends me, he texted me a link to his calendar booking page. I booked a spot for Monday at 8 a.m. That was the first available spot. Wow. I came 10 minutes early, wearing a suit. And then he says, the moment I saw that you even came in at the first available time slot, I knew we were going to take you on our team. So for the wow. first year uh, on Jazz's team, I dedicated that entire first year to being his assistant. And in return, he taught me everything. 99% of the things that I know about real estate, 99% of the things that I know about developing and building businesses. That's amazing. What a, what a great story. I think that line you said, you're making a big mistake if you don't meet me, really rings, stands out to me. That you're making a big mistake if you don't reach me. Because someone says that, you know, well, I've got to meet this guy. And then you, you got up early and went in there at 8 a.m. That's another, it shows you a really uh, 
not just keen, but you were really hungry for for for, for this, and you, you wanted it. So that that that, that is amazing. That's so, so well done on that. Yeah, that that's great. Yeah, for sure. And and then you went on to set up your your own business. Yeah. So after a year of working directly under Jazz, I, I d- developed and found that under the REC Canada team, that I'm best as a salesperson. So till this day, Jazz and I work very closely. He's just right across next to me. And we still do hundreds of deals every single year together. And, uh, you know, after that, like apart from that, really, I have my own team called My Future Condo. And it's exactly what Jazz does, but obviously on a smaller scale, because Jazz has been in the business for 18, 19 years now. I've only been two two years into this business. But essentially what we do is we help investors invest in pre-construction developments across the GTA and maybe some out, outskirt markets, you know, around the greater Toronto area. Great. So, and then, and you said your speciality is in sales, not, not listing properties, but more selling that that's what you, you're good at and you enjoy doing, I guess. Yeah, th- that's a great question. So n- definitely not listing a property uh, and I'll be totally honest here. Like I, I'm technically a licensed realtor, but there hasn't been a single lawn sign I've ever put up on anyone's lawn. I don't know how to list a property. I've never done any showings for homes and stuff like that. I can name maybe two deals that I've done outside of pre-construction. The only thing in, in real estate that I know is how to help investors invest in the right developments. And that's something that Jazz has only been focusing on. And because of that, I naturally just latched onto that niche and it's something that i'm very good at because i could speak on the numbers what to look for how to do your due diligence it's hard for me to sit down with a first-time home buyer that's looking to buy their first property and then they get overly emotional over the fact that the kitchen countertops are not to their liking yeah yeah the people i talk to is does it make money yes okay let's do it if it doesn't make money let's not do it and i think i like the fact that it's very binary it's very black and white and and because of that, when you take care of these people the first time around, they tend to come back. And 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 a lot of the money that we spend isn't on advertising to get new clients. The reason being is because there's more money to be made in your existing clients as long as you take care of them the first time. So that's like a philosophy that I have across, you know, all my businesses, and it's something I ingrain in all of my team members and staff. That as long as we take care of these people the first time, they will always buy from us and with us. So why spend money on advertising to get new clients when our clients can get us more clients through their referrals and whatnot? That's that's you're you're, you're that's so right. There, it's, it's amazing how many times you buy something from a company and you never hear from them again. They don't even, you know, they never wrote, they never sent me flowers. You know, they, they just don't keep in touch. Uh, it's, it's it's incredible. It's your biggest purchase sometimes, and they they never keep in touch. So I can see where you specialize. And obviously you mentioned networking. So I guess that's important. You've got a, a network of investors that you built up, I guess, to go and say, well, look, this is the latest development. That, that's obviously been important in your success, I guess, networking. Yeah, completely. I mean, right now we're sitting at, on, on about maybe 13,000 investors, not an extremely wow. big network because I know some other guys in my industry that over, have over 100,000 investors in their network. This is no knock on them. The reason why they keep adding new investors and clients into their network is because to them, it's very transactional. Okay, you bought with us once. Let me move on to the next person. Right. Me, it's like, okay, I have my 13,000. Of the 13,000, let's just say 1% of them convert, right? A couple of hundred, a thousand deals a year across our entire team. 
right? I know that with the X amount of investors and clients that we work with on an annual basis, as long as we nurture them the right way, we never have to chase the next client. We can just call them again and say, hey, look at the development that you invested with us over the last year or so. It's already made you 60, 70, 80K. You never had to do anything. Who else do you know can benefit from our services? They're going to stop and think, yes, this guy did make me 80K over the last year. You know, I think my aunt could definitely use something like this. She's been looking to invest. I'll tell you a story. When I first started my future condo two years ago, my very first client was a friend of mine because I already had that connection with him. It was someone that I went to church with. So I've known him for about nine or 10 years at the time. He, he was at the time, I think maybe 21 or 22 years old, so a year older than me. And he was very skeptical because it's his first time investing. He's a young kid. He's just still establishing his career. But right. I told him, I said, I guarantee you, if you invest in this specific project, you will make money. It's by a reputable developer in a fantastic location in a, in a growing marketplace. Within a year, that investment made him 200 grand. Wow. 200 grand and he's 21 years old. And here's the crazy part about that investment. He hasn't even closed on the deal yet. So he essentially, wow. I guess just for context, he's he's tying up real estate for something. He's tying up real estate now, but it's not going to be built for a couple of years. That way you can essentially buy something for today's prices. And assuming the value of the unit goes up over the next couple of years, it's going to be more, worth more by the time you close on it. He hasn't even closed on it yet, and he's made close to two hundred grand. So he's made two hundred grand because that's the value of that property going up in that that time, and it hasn't even been built and finished and closed on it. But he's just put a deposit down, I guess. Exactly. So I'll give you I'll give you the actual number. So he bought this in twenty twenty one, beginning of twenty one. It's closing in twenty twenty five. At the start of 2022, his 500,000, it was like 490 is what the purchase price was, 490K. Recent comparable units were selling for around 700K. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, Dude, and, sorry, gone. Yeah. I was going to say, and he's at the time, he was like 22 years old. That's amazing. That's incredible. And do, do your investors tend to flip them at the end? Do they sell them on when they're built or do they keep them and rent them out? What's their usual plan we always advise them to close and, and and hold on to them and that way everybody's protected because if let's just say like right now we're going through recession charles like as you know like a lot of people are, are losing their homes a lot of people are going through a lot of financial difficulties if three years ago i sold a pre-construction condo to somebody and i said you should flip this when it closes in 2022 2023 and they were to do it now in today's market i would look horrible because now prices have started to climb down, not as much, you know, for condos here. I mean, they've remained quite strong, but let's just say it, it, condo prices tumble. If I were to advise someone to flip it while prices have dropped, then they would have lost money. My yeah. philosophy is buy and hold because historically speaking, property prices double every 10 years. So as long as we have 10 year timelines in mind, there's no way I could lose as a realtor because you'll never knock me. And there's no way you're ever going to lose because your property is gonna double in value in the next 10 years. That's great. And there's a good rental market for these properties so they can get them rented and that will cover their mortgages and loans and- Completely. And and, here, and the thing is that, that it's hard for me to wrap my head around you know the psychology of some investors is because during the run-up, 
when property prices were selling four or 500 grand over asking price, people were so desperate to get into the market. But now that prices have tumbled down in certain markets, four or 500 grand, everybody's too scared to buy. I'm like, everything yeah. is on sale. Yeah, and then your yeah. concern is the rising interest rates. Well, if you think about it, if interest rates rise, that means less people can afford to buy. And that means more people are resorted to renting. And if there's less rental units on the market, but more renters on the market, that's going to boost the value of the rent. That means exactly. we're essentially paying less for real estate and having higher revenues because rental prices are increasing. And downtown Toronto, rental prices are up 24% year over year. Like that's ridiculous. And landlords are making 25% more than they were a year ago. So Amazing. the math doesn't add up. If we're truly investors, now is the time to be buying. And that's not me saying that because I'm a realtor. It's me going purely off numbers. If prices have tumbled, but revenues have increased, isn't that a good time to buy? But that's when everyone's fearful, isn't it? When everyone just gets nervous, even the banks get nervous. When the market's at the low point, the banks, oh no, we don't want to lend but they always lend at the top. But I, I know you mentioned about downtown. I mean, here and like in America, a lot of people moved out of the cities during the last couple of years and, and they're starting to come back now. Is, is that a similar trend over there? Are people coming back into the cities and to work and, and live? Yeah, COVID was a very interesting time. And, you know, when the, when the lockdowns first happened a couple of years ago, everybody actually left the city. People were wearing two gloves, three masks. Did no one knew what this virus was? No one wanted to live in a condo building, you know, with a bunch of people on the same floor as them, because they didn't know what could happen. Yeah, you know, as you know, by getting this virus. Now that you know, everybody is 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 more confident in knowing what this virus can do. People are starting to move back to the city. So, to I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the city, the nightlife, everything has been. Uh, really great in the city uh, and uh, it's like as of COVID never happened. Great. That's fantastic. So how do you see the market going next year? I mean, here things have slowed down. Um, some, some experts say it will go down by 10% prices. Some say as much as 15 or 20, but nobody really knows. It depends on government stimulus, but uh, I, it's not going to make a lot of difference to people who bought a couple of years ago because prices have been going up and up and up. And now they might correct themselves a bit. But what, what's the market like in in in, in your place in, in Toronto? We're going to be hearing a lot of horror stories. Right. The reason being is because the people that bought, that overpaid for properties. I mean, I, I guess just from a real estate investor's perspective, yes. The people that paid for pre-construction properties, townhomes, a couple of years ago, $2 million townhomes in these outskirt markets, appraisals are coming in 500 grand less than what they paid for. That means these guys are out of pocket 500 grand or so. So for investors, it's going to be tough if you kind of bought property in the hopes that it was going to be double what you paid for, because that run up that we saw in 2021, that was very, that was very temporary. And I think anyone that knows, you, you know, there's an old saying, I forget how it goes, but it's like the half life of, or how fast you come up is also how fast you come down. Yeah, And a lot of people got rich very, very quickly in 2021. And those people that thought that that was sustainable, they're being shown that they're absolutely incorrect. So that's just from an investor's perspective. In terms of a business owner or a salesperson or an entrepreneur, if your question is how's 2023 going to be for most people, 2021 was a great time for a lot of people to create wealth. 2022 weeded out a lot of 
the fake money, the people that got rich quick off these crypto pumps and NFTs. 2023 is going to show who the real hustlers are, who the real killers are, right? Because 2022, we got a, we got a, we got a little taste of that. But 2023, we're going to feel that all year long. Interest rates are not going anywhere. They're still going to be very strong. Consumer confidence is going to be very low. Not many people are not going to want to buy. And now's the time as a salesperson or as a business owner to pivot and to more importantly, network. I mean, I until this day, I network because right. it's 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 not about what you know. It's also about who you know. And if you yeah. can relate to those people, they can put you in the right direction and give you the right opportunities, you know, going throughout 2023. OK, so you, you sound very confident about property and your 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 developments. Um, so even if prices prices have gone down so that would encourage you to to buy more or, or to still do deals right you're still confident in property as a long-term investment yeah i mean a lot of people have a lot of arguments against the type of property that i like and the type of property that i like are condos because if we go solely based on the numbers condos appreciate the slowest but they also depreciate the slowest right i'll give you an example there are properties in like there's a there's a city outside of Toronto called Brampton, maybe about 30 to 45 minutes Northwest. And there were properties in Brampton that were selling at the peak of the market for over $2 million. Wow. Today, a couple of months later, they're now selling for 1.2, 1.3. The people that bought at the peak of the market are now suffering from a seven, $800,000 loss. Wow. However, my investors that bought in condos, Yes, they didn't see an $800,000 jump in value, but they also didn't see an $800,000 loss. In fact, most condo properties, property values in Toronto have remained quite neutral, up over, you know, 2-3%. A lot of these, you know, people that got into the to the to the hype with, with these property prices, excuse me, with these homes going over asking price, those guys are now losing money. My investors never lost money. It's just been slow. So they've never been in the negative. So the type of property that I'm bullish on are the ones that I know that are not going to appreciate so fast because I know on the inverse that they're going to depreciate the fastest. Yeah. That way, everybody's safe. No one can ever say, Luke, you sold me something and you told me it was going to be worth a million dollars in a couple of years and now it's worth yeah. nothing. No, I told you, this is what you're buying. It's not going to make you a million dollars in the next two years, but it's going to make you 50, 60, 70K a year. There might be the oddball kid that makes 200K in a year off of condo investment. But listen, this is the safest investment because not only is it proven to appreciate at a fairly decent rate where it's not too high or too slow, but you don't even have to outlay all of your money up front. If you buy something on the resale market today, you have to put down 20% as an investor. Yeah. The type of condos I sell, they allow for you to put 5% deposits incrementally over the lifetime of the development. And normally it's a three-year development, four-year development. So if we're putting in 5% this year, 5% next year, we can forget the interest rate hikes. doesn't yeah. affect me. I haven't closed on it. And then put down my money incrementally over time. And by the time I close on it, it's going to be worth 150K more than I paid for it. Am I going to make a million dollars? No. But if I'm, am I going to make a safe assurance. Is it safe to say I will make 150K? 99% of the times, yes. Well, that's not bad, is it? 150K for just sitting there and kind of just putting the 5% in it. And it's an easy thing to get into, isn't it? Completely. Completely. Like, how many people make 150K a year? That I don't know. And, and, and these investments always do. 
That's normally the average investor that I work with. They normally make anywhere from 130 to 150 over three years. Okay, so give me an example of, of something you're selling right now in Toronto. What would be a typical kind of condo you'd be selling to investors? Because we might have people out there that want to invest in in Toronto. Give give me. Can you give me a quick example off the top of your head? I'll get. I'll give you one, and, and I'll only give one because we don't sell everything. There are hundreds of projects that get launched every single year in the GTA, but I would be like my word wouldn't hold any value if I sold every single project. We narrow it down to maybe a good nine or ten projects that we're genuinely confident in. Right. The last one was in Hamilton, Ontario, which is right in between Toronto and Niagara Falls. I'm sure you know Niagara. It's just it yeah, kind yeah. of borders us in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in, it was in Hamilton. I believed in this project so much, I invested it in myself. I bought a one-bedroom on the 11th floor, no balcony, nothing pretty, just a simple one-bedroom. I spent 590k on it. And the reason why I was bullish on this project is because of the incentives that the builder was offering. Right. So there's three main incentives that we always make sure that we have in place. Number one is we have the right to assign. What that means, it's a clause in the contract saying that we're allowed to sell this unit yeah. prior to closing, prior to occupancy, just in case we run into any financial hardship. Okay. So I have the right to assign. So I'm protected there. The second one is I have the right to lease during occupancy. Without confusing yourself and the audience too much, before you take possession of any condo unit, you enter this time period called occupancy, where okay. at this time, technically, you don't own the unit yet. However, the builder gives you the key so you can start to move into it. That way, on the day of closing, there's not 100 of people in the building moving in all at once. They move people in slowly over time. As an investor, I'm not moving in there myself. So at that time, I'm going to have a tenant in there. They're going to be paying me their monthly rent. Okay. It's very important I have this because instead of it just being vacant, I'm actually collecting some money at this time. So I can make quite a bit of change at this time, a couple thousand okay. bucks a month. Good, good. The third is to have cap development charges. Anytime you purchase pre-construction developments, condos, there's a development charge that's in your agreement stating that at closing, there's extra fees that you have to pay you know, towards the development and the infrastructure of the building. Right. Because this is, in, this is closing in 2025, I don't know what these fees are going to be. For me, I have them capped at, I believe seven grand is what I have them capped at, so it cannot exceed that amount. So just in case, you know, development charges in a couple of years from now are twenty grand, I'm I'm covered. I'm only paying the seven. This the the builders paying the remainder, the remaining thirteen k to the city, because it's a fee from the city. So those are the three main incentives I always have. But the reason why I like this specific development is because the developer realized the uncertainty and they they got feedback from the market. They saw that everybody was scared of the interest rates increasing. So what they're doing is for year one, they're rolling back 4% on my interest rates. So if at closing, if I have a 6% interest rate, which is ridiculously high, they're going to give me 4%. They're going to cover 4%. I'm only held liable for 2%. Really? That's wow. going to save tremendously on cost. And the second thing is they're giving me 23 grand back at closing to, 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 to cover my closing costs. So wow. apart from the typical incentives I have, this developer gave me all these other incentives at closing. And I was like, you know what? This is a no-brainer. I, I can't see why I, how I could possibly lose. I bought it myself. I sold my cousin a unit. And we had overall, I'd want to say about 20 other of our investor clients get into that building. Amazing. So 600000 roughly. Um, 
and you'd have to put down, say, 20% over the period where they're building it, 20% roughly? Correct. So 120 grand. 120,000. And then would you finance the rest or would you still need some cash to, to put into it? In, in, if, say yeah, you're I would... in, not you personally, but if you were an investor, what would they need to finance on that? Or as I, I'm assuming a lot of people don't have 600,000 in cash. Yeah. So if, if the purchase price is 600 grand, you would have to put down 5% per year, yeah. which works out to be 30 grand per year. And then the remaining balance. So it's, it's excuse me, I should say it's 5% per year until you hit the 20% total okay. paid 20% of 600 grand is 120 grand. Yeah. The remaining $480,000, we get that in the form of a mortgage. So you can actually borrow 80% as, as a mortgage on that. Yeah. And that's yeah. pretty good. Cause here you probably wouldn't get 80%. You'd get 70, 75. And now the lenders are um, basing the mortgage on the, on the rent as well, because the rent has to cover the, the mortgage. And with the higher interest rates, a, a lot of these mortgages are not going to be covered in the standard buy-to-let market. Um, but what is the typical rent on this property then? Just just getting an idea for, for investors, what sort of rent would you get on that one-bed condo? Yeah, I mean, today, if you look at some comparables, some of, the, some of these units are renting at around $2,100, $2,200 per month. So assuming okay. rents increase three, four, maybe 5% a year over the next three years until closing, I should be able to get around 2,500 bucks a month for this. So That's I'm not going thousand. to be, yeah. yeah, like, so I'm not going to be making a lot of money on the rent. To me, it's all appreciation. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Charles, because a lot of people, when I talk to them about this type of asset, they look at the numbers quickly and think, wait, if you're making 2,500 bucks a month, and your mortgage payments are two grand a month and your property taxes are this, your maintenance fees are that, you're not really making that much money in cash flow. I said, yeah, you're not making much money in cash flow, but how much is this gonna be worth in a couple of years? 700 grand, 750, 800. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm not making a thousand dollars a month into my pocket, but why do I care? I'm getting taxed on that money. Instead, my asset is now worth 200 grand more than what I paid for it. That's mm -hmm. where that's where I eat. I eat off the new the, the new value and then yeah. i don't know how it works in, in london but I, i'm sure there's very similar policies but we can refinance our mortgages yeah so for example if it's if it's if i bought it for 600 and it's worth uh, excuse me if i bought it for 600 and the balance on the mortgage is 480 and at the time of closing it's worth call it 750 the difference between the 750 and the 480 that's my equity and I can right. leverage that equity to purchase other real estate. Of course. Yeah, that, that, you can do that here as well. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming you would get an investor mortgage different from a, a home buyer's mortgage. So you, as long as you've got the deposits there, you can you can get as many of those as you like, I guess. You can buy multiple. Yeah. I mean, under your personal name, it, it would be tough to buy like maybe past three. I think that's when lenders start to give you a tough time. But then that's when we get creative by bringing in joint venture partners right. and having corporations and stuff like that. And that's something my team, like right now we're in the process of setting up a, a, a JV with like six investors. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and we're doing that for financing reasons and also legal reasons, because if a tenant has issues with the property and they get hurt for, for whatever reason, they can't sue my clients, my six investors, they can sue the corp and the corp can just close. Right. I'm with you. Okay. And are you getting like Canadian investors or do you get overseas investors coming in as well? I mean, you hear about Chinese investors invested in Canada or is it mainly Canadians? As of January 1st, 2023, 
no more foreign money is allowed to come into property. So there's a ban, there's a temporary ban on foreign investors really? on, on property. But I probably have worked with only one outside investor in my entire career. And he was based in the US. So most of my clients are Canadian anyway. There's this big thing in the news that a lot of the money and a lot of the properties are getting scooped up by foreign investors. I speak with hundreds of agents a year, a month, excuse me. Uh, I do hundreds of deals a year myself. Not many of us talk about foreign investors. It's a very small portion. I'd say less than 5% of the market shares by is taken up by foreign investors. Most of it is really just local investors. There's a lot of money here. There's a lot of there's a lot of rich guys and gals here and they're yeah. buying all the property. And 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 like what I say to a lot of people whether you're young, old, new to investing, seasoned investor, listen like like the 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 gap between wages and property prices is pro property prices is going farther and farther. Like yeah. it's getting wider and wider. And if we're not buying real estate today, you're never going to buy it because it's just getting tougher and tougher. And one of the easiest ways to get in is by investing in pre-construction condos because condos are the lowest priced asset. They're the most affordable ones. On top of that, you don't even need all the money right away. It's going to cost, like for me personally, the unit I bought about 600 grand, it's going to cost me 30K a year. Yeah. If you can't save 30K a year, my advice to those that can't save 30K a year is invest with two other people. 30K right. divided by three is 10K a year. If you can't save 10K a year, then we have an even bigger problem. <laughs> that's that, that's true. You're, you're right. And I, I think I saw one of your videos. You were saying even a first time buyer that can't get into a home, you know, you can't buy a, 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 an existing property, but he can get into or he or she can get into a pre-construction as their first buy because they, they don't need to put all the money down and they don't have to worry about a mortgage until four years time so i, I think you're giving good advice and, and obviously condos you're not going to have that maintenance issue that you would with an older property so i guess although you're paying charges you're not going to be out there fixing roofs and replacing windows you know for years and years and years so you've got a, a good stable place for your your, your people there um, so there the are advantages and, and the rental yield is not bad. I mean, you said 30,000 is not going to make you a lot of money, but 30,000 is what, 5% yield uh, in, compared to the what you paid for it. And you're not going to get 5% on your money in the bank it, with growth as well. So it's, it's still not a bad investment, even if somebody buys it for cash, you know. So I, I think you're doing right. And you're obviously, you're an investor yourself as well. So you put your money where your mouth is, don't you? You, you You're investing Absolutely. in these things. Um, and and I, I I believe in property too as a long term investment as well. So I, th I think that's that's great. So what what would you say? What I mean, you've given some advice to to, to investors. What, what what other advice would you give to young because you're an entrepreneur as well? You've got other businesses. Do you have any particular advice you would give a young entrepreneur like yourself? What what would you say that that they should be doing? Yeah, I can go for days on the amount of advice I can give to younger entrepreneurs, even anyone looking to get into yeah. into into business, sales, entrepreneurship. I think people need to have a sense of urgency because if you take a look around, a close look around, and not many people do this, it is really getting harder and harder. And I I, I use property as as a typical example because it's a conversation, it's a topic that I talk about on a daily basis. Yeah. But everything is going up in price. 
everything is getting more and more expensive. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The government is spending trillions of dollars. That's inflating everything. Yeah. And your wages are staying the same. Like, I think there has to be a sense of urgency for, for the younger generation to get onto something that's going to genuinely benefit your life. Now, it doesn't mean starting your own business. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur or business right. owner. But there has to be something that makes that pivotal change for you. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck like the 99% of the people in our population. And I think the best way to get started in growing in any industry is to network. And you don't have to look that far ahead to network. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I started the AutoVision GTA this year, in the summer of this year. And it came it came out kind of accidentally, but also purposefully at the same time. I say that because my brother used to, my younger brother, I have a younger brother, and he used to work for a company that recently closed this year. So he was out of, he didn't have a job. And then he just brought up the idea of detailing cars because he likes cars. He doesn't mind doing it. It's cash jobs. And I said, you know what, let's, let's just try it out. I, I have money myself. He didn't have much money at the time because he just knew he's two years younger than me. His company just closed. So I funded the entire thing. And he, I was kind of that 50-50 partner on the money side. And then he would just essentially take over the actual labor. But the reason why that business has, do, has d- done really well, and, and to put into perspective, we now do a little over 100 cars per month. So it's it's turned into a six figure business within the last five six months. What do you the do reason why we? What do you do to the cars detailing? You said. So, excuse what, me. Yeah, sorry. We de- we detail cars. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know that expression. Detail cars. Yeah. So it's essentially when you clean cars in and out, like like oh, not val- just like valetine, a car wash. Valeting and shining and waxing and that kind of stuff. Everything. Everything. Okay. And okay. then. I'll give I'll give you an example. If you ever go to a used car dealership and you see a car look pristine, uh, a lot of people say like, "Oh yeah, it's brand new" or whatever it may be. It, you know, it's just straight from the factories from the right, from the right. manufacturers. Yeah. If it's a used car dealer, it's it's my guys. We we work with used car dealerships. And sorry, I didn't give you any context there, but that's that's essentially what that company does. We right. have a team of detailers and we prepare use cars for the showroom so before they get sold they look nice and pretty in the showroom and then the the dealership goes and sells them off but going back to my point about how i met jazz and how i networked my way into the number one team in the country i did the same thing for autovision gta there's this guy that always used to hang outside of my office he would always have have a coffee with him and his friends and just one day me and my boys just started shooting the shit with a guy and he ended up being like a super cool guy and over the last couple of years, we just developed a relationship, not from a business standpoint, just because we were friends. And then little did I know he had a dealership. And then he brought up the idea, like he said, why don't you just clean my cars? Like get started, clean my cars. So he would give us 15, 20 cars per month. And wow. then he he allowed us to be his guinea pig. And excuse me, he allowed himself to be our guinea pig. And after that, he introduced us to another dealership and said, hey, look, these guys do 120 cars a month. Speak to them. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, no problem. I set up an appointment. I spoke to these guys. And then boom, like within a, the matter of a couple of months, we're now doing 130, 140 cars a month. And mm-hmm. and if you're charging 200 bucks a car, 100 bucks a car, you can do the math on that. That's all within the matter of a couple of months. And, and it's a very low cost business. Spend a couple thousand bucks on equipment. 
and you pay you pay guys 17 bucks an hour and your margins are quite high. And that only happened because I networked my way to that point. I built a relationship with this guy that always used to be outside of my office having a coffee. And it goes back to my point. You don't have to look that far ahead. You don't have to look at the CEO of Apple and try to get to the top of Apple. And yeah, yeah. Just look outside of my office. This guy's a regular guy, doesn't wear any fat, flashy clothes, none of that stuff. Yeah. Regular guy. Just look look very closely. And I my my advice to anyone starting a business is speak to the people that already know, like, and trust you. The average person knows 200 people. So if you know 200 people, the 200 people you know also knew 200 people. Your network is now 40,000 people. So the 200 people you directly know might not ever buy from you or, or help you directly, but they know 200 people that might be able to help you, that might buy from you, that might be able to be a partner in your business. Speak to everybody you know and share what you're starting. You need to get that out there. And and if you don't, then you're just gonna your growth is gonna be much slower. I mean, it took me, you know, a, a year to do my first deal in real estate. But then when I started AutoVision GTA, it's just like deals upon deals like this, because yeah. I knew those basic principles on how to develop a business. That's fantastic. I think also you, even if you go back to Brooks, like thinking and grow rich, he said you don't have to go far for opportunities. A lot of opportunities are right where you are. And this guy was you know, outside your office and having a coffee. And had you not talked to him, had you not struck up a conversation, then, you know, nothing would have happened. So you, you've got to be looking out for these things. And, and I know you didn't strike up a conversation with him specifically to, to get business, but if you're a people person and you talk to people, I think you, you can benefit from these. I see a lot of people going to network meetings. They stay in the corner, you know, they're, they're like scared to talk to anyone. It's, it's crazy, really. And then it's building relationships, isn't it? Which you, you you've done. So I, I think that's fantastic. I think you've done really well. And to build up another business on the side when you're already busy with one thing uh, shows that you're a real entrepreneur, maybe a serial entrepreneur. I don't know. We'll have to see see what happens in, in the future. So what yeah. motivates you now? What keeps you going now? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Is it just building your business? Is it, do you, do you have a family? You know, how, what's what's your, your reason why? Yeah, no family. Not into that yet. 22 years old. I don't have any intentions of having yeah. any kids yet. Yeah, yeah. Not marrying, none of that stuff. Really what gets me up, I mean, there's there's so many things that I could talk about, but I think one, it's the fear of being not who I am today. Like yeah. just, yeah. I, I think of who I'm going to be and then I think of the complete opposite of that person. Yeah. Somebody that's overweight, shy, timid, smokes weed all day, plays video games. That image of me terrifies me i cannot imagine living that type of life yeah. so that's my fear factor just living like like that like to me that's just a horrible existence and and to and and, and the harsh truth is that that's the existence for many men i cannot even imagine living that way right what gets uh, on, on the flip side is just knowing that at any moment and as cheesy as this can sound i can die and i want to be able to probably say that i gave everything i could and I know everybody says that, but I mean that genuinely in every aspect, like whether that's in the gym, I do everything I absolutely can. I don't skip a single set. I don't miss anything. I'm a religious man. So I know God's watching every time I am in uh, in, in the office. I don't miss a single phone call. I'm very punctual in my timing. Everything to me has to be very perfect. Otherwise, I live with 
a little bit of guilt knowing that I could have been better. And yeah. even though I have these high stringent standards on myself now, I still think I could do better because that's because I can. Right. Nice. And, and, and just this past weekend, we had the Christmas weekend. I can, uh, I'll tell you something, Charles, man, I was getting a little bit anxious. Like, like you take a day off work and I start to itch. It's just like, well, I could have worked. <laughs> yeah, I could have yeah. worked. So then to make up for it last night, I was up until about 12 AM just hammering away and just working. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, like there's that aspect. A lot of people say it's unhealthy, but I, I don't care. I genuinely do not care because th so. there's going to be, there's going to be other guys like me out there working till 1am and that's going to piss me off knowing that they're working longer than, than, than yeah. me. Like just stuff like that. That's what keeps me going. Just the thought that someone's out there working harder than me. And also the thought that, that if I don't do this, I'm just going to end up being just someone that I don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any, anything unhealthy about working hard myself. Um, you know, you're not killing yourself and you, and you just seem to look after yourself. You go to the gym and I, I, I expect you look after yourself as well. Your health is important as well to keep your energy up. Yeah. But I, I don't see anything unhealthy about working hard. Um, and entrepreneurs do think about their business all the time. It's, it's natural. I think for an entrepreneur's mindset is to be thinking about their business and what they can do to improve things. Of course, you've got to have a, a life as well, but I'm sure you'll, you'll work out a way of, of balancing that as you go into your future, but I'm really impressed with what you're doing. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll be honest, Charles, like my, my life business philosophies, and I could be totally wrong in 10 years from now, you and I can probably look back and think maybe Luke was wrong about this, but it's really the opposite of what most gurus teach. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the way they teach. It just doesn't resonate with me. So a lot of people say, oh, meditate and, and, and read books. And I used to do that. I did that very, very religiously for the first two years of, of building my business. And then I realized that that was not what was going to make me money. That wasn't going to make me successful. Right. I realized that it's literally very binary. It's work or don't work. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's, it's a coping mechanism to read a book and to think that's going to put money into your pocket. What's going to put money in your pocket is picking up the phone and selling something. And, and yeah. to me, it's, it's as simple as that. If you're not working, then you're not working. So to me, it's just work, 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 work. All the in-between stuff I'll enjoy every now and then. I never had a single drop of alcohol in my system until I turned 22. So that's how disciplined I was. I never bothered with anything else other than working. I used to journal and do all these things. And I think at some point in your life, it's very important. But after you reach a certain level, you just throw all that out the way because you narrow it down to the two, three things you know you need to do. For me, that's exercising every day because it keeps me healthy. Yeah. Strong body equals a strong mind. And two is just getting down actionable work done. The meditating and stuff like that, I don't often, I don't often do anymore. The cold showers, I don't do, I don't do that anymore. None of that stuff. I, I threw all that out the window. And my income has more than doubled over the last years, couple of years, ever since doing that. And who knows, that just might be me. I find that a lot of people that do this stuff, it's 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 an excuse for them to not work. Oh, I'm just I'm finding myself. Da, da, da. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. And 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 that ends up being their crutch. Like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna meditate and do this because then it'll keep my mind straight. And maybe in in a couple of hours I'll feel motivated to work. Just work. And I'm You're attracting money. Hours. Um, the power of attraction, the law of attractions is bringing money to me. Um. <laughs> well, you're obviously very focused, Luke, and I can see that. And you said actionable 
things because a lot of people could be working, working, working. But unless you're selling something, you should pick up the phone and sell something. And that's the key. Every business has to sell. They need customers. And your your key thing is pick up the phone and sell something. So I think that, that sums it up almost, you know. Completely. And, and the reason why I'm able to say that is because when I sell, I, I, I sell indirectly. And I don't mean that in like a Wolf for Wall Street type of way. My advice for any business owner, any entrepreneur, and I do this, I've been doing this for the last three years. I'm going to do it now because it's the new years is at the beginning of the year, you have to do this once a year is call everybody, you know, it doesn't matter if you're selling shoes, real estate, if you're selling cars or cups, call everybody, you know, and this is my script. I'm going to give the secret sauce away. Okay. Don't sell anything. Call everybody, you know, and you're going to say, Hey, Joe, Hey, Charles, how happy new year, shoot the shit, whatever. I just wanted to know, like, like, you know, my business over the last couple of years, we've been doing this. I'd really like to get your feedback on the marketing that we do. Is it okay if we if we share some of that information with you? And can you just let me know what you think? I really value your opinion. Hmm. There's a couple of things that happens with that. One, you show that you value someone's opinion. They feel they feel good. It's just like, oh, oh, Luke, you you want my help? Yeah, yeah of course I want your help. People feel good when they help people. Yeah. So yeah. one. You're you're showing that this person means something to you. Their opinion means something to you. Two, they want to help you. It feels good that they're helping you, especially if you're a young entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur. They want to help you. They want to support you. These people actually care about you. They want to see you win. And three, now you have somebody to market your information to. In my case, I'm selling real estate. So every month, every couple of weeks, whatever it may be in your business, send them an email with marketing information here, this property just listed for sale. I have this investment opportunity coming up. The reason why that happens is be- not because they might directly buy from you is because once a month, they're going to see your email, your flyer, your social media posts, yeah. and they're going to think, Oh yeah, Luke is in business. Oh yeah. Charles does sell books, whatever it may be. You know, yeah. maybe my friend might actually benefit from Charles's book because he's been talking about getting into investments and da 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. You just stay top of mind. And that only happened not because I said, listen, I'm a realtor now. Do you want to buy, sell, or, or, or invest in property? Yeah. yeah. No, I, didn't, I didn't say, I said none of that. I said, can I get your opinion on the marketing that we do? And can we keep in touch? Let me know what you think. I'm getting their advice. And then in return from that, I stay top of mind. And I did the same thing for AutoVision GTA. I called everybody. I'm never too cool. I've sold $180 million worth of real estate. I'm never too cool to, to, to pick up the phone and call my friends. Never too cool. Called everybody and said, I'm starting a detailing company with my brother. What do you think of the marketing that we're doing? You know, they would follow me on social media. Oh, what I would say for that specific business, I would say, pull up your phone right now, follow us on Instagram and reply back to my post in the DMs. Let me know what you think. Right. right. And then that way, these guys are always engaged in my post. They're giving me feedback. Then that way you get referrals. That's the best way to start your business because there's no more loyal customer than a friend and yeah. more importantly, a friend's friend. And and if you start your business and by building that foundation first, then you're going to have a much stronger foundation for the years to come because now you're, you're, you're standing on a solid rock of people that already know, like, and yeah. trust you. Yeah. Don't chase the next person spending advertising dollars to get new leads. Nurture what you already have. Right. That's fantastic. So you're going to make a, you'll be making a lot of calls in the next few days, I guess, as we're coming into the new year. And and you just just want to get back to jazz because jazz, I guess, mentored you for the first year. Do you, do you think 
how important do you think mentoring was for you at the start of your career? I mean, to have a, a mentor like Jazz. I think no matter at what at any point in my life, I'm always going to have a mentor. Right. Okay. I I, tr- I truly believe that, and that might just be the young twenty two year old Luke saying that, but I think having no ego, not being arrogant, and just simply listening to somebody that knows something or knows more than you will always take you farther than the people that don't do that. Yeah. So Jazz was was my mentor for the first year, very, very religiously, if you will. Like he would be be there by my side, taught me everything I know. In exchange for that, I was his assistant. I ate all the possible shit that anyone could. Like I did all I did all of it. Drive two hours to to open this door. I've done that before. Driven two hours just to unlock a door and go back home. Done all that stuff. Scrub toilets, everything. Right. Till this day, I still do that for other people in my life because I know that if I scratch the right people's back, they're going to scratch mine in return. So, so to your, to your question about mentors, I think finding a mentor, and it, as I said, you don't have to look too far. As long as you have a mentor, that'll cut your learning curve in half. There's not many people yeah. that do it all by themselves. No help, no guidance, nothing. You're just going to repeatedly hit your head against the wall. Why not speak to somebody and and have them teach you? But there's there's the wrong and right ways to do that. The most common pitch people have is I'll work for you for free. Rich people don't need people to work for them for free. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Rich and wealthy people have money. They'll gladly pay someone 50K a year to be their assistant. Money is not the issue. You have to bring value other than your free time. So in my case, I didn't work for Jazz for free. I did maybe a couple of things without getting paid for it. And then I never questioned it. But my pitch was, you're making a mistake by not meeting me. The attitude that I had was more valuable to him than my free time. Right. I'll give you an example. When I started AutoVision GTA earlier this year, I had somebody months prior message me and says, I love the work you do. I've always wanted to get into business. I'll come work for you for free. I said, no problem. Right now, I don't have any work for you. We're all pretty much tied up. When I have another contract for my auto company, my detailing company, I'll let you know. Whatever, no problem. A couple of weeks go by. He messages me again on Instagram. It says, hey, do you have another opportunity? I'm ready to work. I'll work for you free. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll bust my ass, all these things. I said, no worries. I still haven't gotten any new contracts. It's been, we're working on other things right now. I'll call, I'll call you in a couple of weeks. He follows up with me again in a couple of weeks. So he's showing me that he's very persistent. Right. I said, I said, you know what? This guy's in my head. I'm like, this guy's so adamant about working for free. Let's just see if he's serious. I said, no problem. I, I have another contract coming up next week. I'm going to need new people to, to wash cars for me. At that point, you can work with my manager. My manager will train you and you can work directly with him. And if you do well enough over time, then you can work directly alongside me. And he says, no problem. Just let me know when, when you want me to work. I call him next week on a Monday. I says, listen, we got a contract. On Tuesday, you start tomorrow. Can you work? Can you show up? He says, yeah, yeah anytime. No problem. I'll work. I'll work. No problem. No problem. I said, no problem. Come for 10 a.m. He didn't even show up. Oh, my God. He did not even. He didn't show up. And then he <laughs> calls me the day after. He calls me the day after. Or he texts me. He says, hey, I'm going to call you. I have a couple of questions about the job. I didn't respond to the text message. A day later, he calls me and says, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions about the job before I showed up. I said, my friend, you've been asking me for months now to work for free. You didn't even show up. Like, that's when I realized like this, a lot of this stuff that people say, yeah, I'll do anything, I'll work for free. A lot of it is just yeah. garbage. Like, yeah. you can tell someone is genuine when they, when they say something very direct. 
in my case, I did. I said, listen, you're making a mistake if, if we don't, if you don't work yeah. with me, if you don't speak to me. Yeah. And I'd rather much appreciate someone like that that says something to me that way than someone that's so persistent and so adamant about working for free. That like that's just a great example of how not to network. Yeah. And to show up. <laughs> like and you showed show up at up. eight in the morning. I'm sure you didn't show up at half past eight or or quarter to nine. You showed up at eight. I bet you were there early. Uh, on the door, suited and booted, ready to go. And you were like ready for action, you know. So that's important. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. So, so it's been really great speaking to you. I mean, um, anything else you wanted to add? Anything you wanted to say about your business or how people contact you? If, if they want to get in touch with you, which social media do you prefer? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely reach me. Like I'm probably most active on Instagram. It's Luke Leasing, L-U-C-L-I-S-I-N-G. Or you can visit my website, lukeleasing.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and you can get free actionable advice from myself. I can talk anything about real estate. I give advice on business. I give advice on how to start your own detailing company, yeah. things of that nature. I mean, this the detailing stuff, I mean, that was a business that took off very quickly. And it's because I found a niche that is untapped and I know exactly how to speak to that niche and I know exactly how to get clients. And it's, it's become a money printer for myself. And I teach other people how to build very similar businesses. Fantastic. But yes, you can sign up at my, you can find me at, at lukeleasing.com and sign up for my newsletter there to get free daily advice. So in this world where you hear about AI and new technology and tech businesses, you started a, a very simple business cleaning cars and it's making you cash flow. And yet you get a lot of people out there saying, I've got no money. There's no money in the world. You know, everything is going to going to, to end. There's no money around. And yet you found a little business there that makes several thousand dollars a week. Uh, and, and it's very simple in its concept. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm actually glad you mentioned that, Charles, because to anybody listening to this and their excuse is that, oh, I don't know what to do because you're seeing this guy start yeah. this. Oh, they want to find the sexiest business model. I found the dirtiest one and I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just keep it simple. Wash cars. I guarantee you anybody can pick up a rag and start wiping down a, a car and you can make lots of money doing it. And yeah. my brother, it's something I'm actually proud of, not because it's generating money for myself, but it's helped my brother start his first business. And now he's learning a lot of things he didn't know by working for another company because it's a different, you you move very differently when you don't know when your, pay, your next paycheck's coming. If the only person writing your checks is yourself, you've learned a lot of self-accountability. And if your excuse is that you don't know what business to start, you're trying to get into some crazy technology company, keep it very simple. Starting a detailing company is the easiest business to start. You know 10 people right now that have cars. You can wash their cars for free. And now you have 10 pieces of content you have right at your disposal, 10 cars in your portfolio that you can then take to other clients and show them what you can do. It's as simple as that. You can charge 200 bucks a car. And do, if you do one of them a day, that's 200 bucks a day. You can do that after hours, after your full-time job. That's an extra thousand bucks a month, excuse me, thousand bucks a week that you can make. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. And yet, you know, people are sort of lying down in a park bench saying it's a recession. There's no money around, but there is money. There's always money. And there's a saying in, in the UK, where there's muck, there's brass. Muck means dirt and brass means money. So where there's dirt, there's money. And it's, it's an old saying here. And a lot of people don't look for those dirty jobs. They don't want to, they want to keep their hands clean, but uh, I, I really a great admire. And I think you'd make a great keynote speaker because you, you speak very well. You've got great stories to tell. 
and you, you've been successful and you walk the talk. So I, I hope we'll see you on stage one day uh, somewhere. Yeah. Because uh, you've got a great story to tell. Well, I, I know you're busy. I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot of things to get on with and calls to make. Um, so I'm, I'm going to let you get on with your day. But it's been really fantastic meeting you. I hope we'll talk again and, and hearing your story. And I'm a great admirer of what you've done. So so well done. Thank you so, so much for having me, Charles. And, and thanks for, for being on my podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you. Right, I'll, I'll cut it there. But I just wanted to say goodbye to you after that. Uh, but it's a very interesting story. I'm, I'm, I was... I was listening to every word you said. It was really interesting. Thank you so much. I mean, I I definitely found you a great host. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like 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 because what you do very well, Charles, is that you know how to relate to an audience and you know how to pluck something out and relate it to something in the UK or in your personal life. I like that. I like that. So, I, I try and so, listen to it. it yeah. No, no, you're a great host. Thank you. And I, I felt engaged. I didn't feel like. I was being interviewed or super robotic. It was very yeah. conversational flowing. I feel like we could shoot the shit in the bar or something. <laughs> yeah. When I get to Toronto, I'm going to have a coffee with you. <laughs> For sure. I don't know if I ever come to the UK. I'm afraid of all the crime that's happening over there. But uh, at the same time, Toronto's no better. So, <laughs> Yeah, I've never been to Canada. I've been to America and different countries, but never, never to Canada. But I, I do want to go. And uh, at some stage, it's a great country. But uh, What's the best way for us to keep in touch? Um, I, I don't mind. I'm on, I'm on, I've followed you on, uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm on link. I, I, I contacted you on LinkedIn as well. Whatever. I don't mind. Okay. You got my email as well, but yeah, I do keep in touch. I, I want to see your progress over the next few years and I'm sure you're, you're going places, but that's very inspiring. Yeah, you your so talk. It's a very inspiring story. Thank you. We'll do this again for sure. Great. Th- thanks very much, Luke. And if you ever speak to jazz, say hello to jazz. He was a great guest as well. I, I most definitely will. And did you want me to recommend a couple of other guests or if you were to be a guest on somebody else's podcast? Either way. Like, how can I bring you some value? I, I don't mind. If you, if you can recommend me to be on someone else's or a couple of other guests, I'm always looking for guests. Uh, so so, so that would be great. I, I don't mind. So, Whatever. so someone that I know just started a podcast, but she only – right now because she's a female entrepreneur, her first like five or ten guests are going to be females. I think afterwards she's going to open it up to male 